Welcome to another episode of Reboot Ed, the podcast where we talk about big ideas and issues in education and hardly ever come up with any answers. I'm Andrew Schwab, your co-host, and I am joined, as always, by... Mike Walmart. How's it going, Mike? It's going great. Uh, Just back from a uh, social distancing road trip with my daughter, we traveled to Montana, uh, camping and boondocking along the way uh in fact uh we were boondocking uh up in little cottonwood canyon last sunday when we had our podcast it was pretty cool to be podcasting from amongst the trees it was great yeah and it worked out pretty well that's what we get for using old technology um i i almost wish you had a youtube channel so i could follow you on all your adventures out and about in the world since I am stuck at home and not as brave as you. Um, well, there's this thing called Instagram. You may have read about it. Um, I'll, I'll send you a couple links. Uh, is that, that related to posting. Facebook? Because I don't use that either. I don't know if it is or not. I think maybe it is, but I don't use Facebook as well. But uh, I have been sharing on Instagram the our travels. Nice. Okay. I'll, I'll send you some links. You might want to learn about it. Yeah. The only thing I know how to use is Twitter these days. Anyway, enough about that. It's time to talk more COVID-related stuff. So who do you have talking with us today? Well, this is pretty cool because um, if teachers have not gone back to school or started working with their kids yet, they will within the next week or so. Um, And especially now, but even before this COVID thing, the, the the thing that's always impressed me about teaching is that it's one of the most volatile and uncertain environments uh, anywhere. Um, and it's highly stressful uh, from a number of angles. Um, and I, I really kind of got sensitive to this and started thinking about it in earnest, um, even more so than when I was a site administrator. When I heard Catlin Tucker do her keynote at Fall Q, um, Gosh, was that last year or the year before? The year before last. Um, and um, the thing that Catlin was talking about was this idea of balancing your work and the rest of your life. Um, and then I learned about um, our, our guest today, who is Doreen Bondi. Uh, and Doreen's been spending a lot of time for a very long time working on this issue and sharing with teachers some strategies and ideas about how to engage in some self-care and kind of keep their emotional self um, as healthy as possible, which, as we all know, it's way, way better to work with kids uh, and be an effective teacher when you're feeling good about yourself and you've managed your stress and um, you've kind of got some strategies to, to cope. Now, let's lay over that, this whole idea of COVID. Uh, And I'm even more excited to have Doreen on. Uh, And Doreen, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Um, You're you're a library media specialist at Monta Vista. I have to, like you said, make sure that it's Monta um, uh, Vista High School. And you're in Cupertino, is that right? Correct, correct. Okay, Okay. Um, but you haven't been there forever. No, uh, actually, I've been there a week now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you're brand new. I am brand new there. Um, and prior to that? 
Um, prior to that, I was a makerspace specialist at Union School District. Um, I do some work with Craft Center for Innovation in their um, makerspace and in some um, areas of marketing. And then prior to that, I was at Dublin High School as a library media specialist. Okay. Um, so, but as a sort of semi-side gig, um, you've got a long history working in um, health education and uh, helping teachers deal with these ideas of stress management and self-care, yeah? Yes, so uh, when I went, I went back to, to get my master's um, when my kids were younger and um, I kind of vacillated between uh, library and health and ended up um, getting my master's in health education. Um, at that time, I was pretty much focused on nutrition and then I got out of school right when the last recession hit and um, people were not hiring nutritionists. So um, all of my friends around me were educators and they said, hey, you know, you've got young kids. Why don't you look at getting into education? So I started subbing and um, getting more involved in school. And I already was you know, as a parent. Um, so a few years later, I ended up at Dublin High School. And that's kind of where this all started. So I got really interested in working in the library because I have so much close communication with the kids. I got really interested in social emotional learning, started doing a lot of research around that and looking at you know, the intersection between health and um, health and wellness for kids. But at the same time, I was all over campus. I was meeting with um, staff and administrators and what really bubbled up for me was how just stressed and unhealthy and struggling our, our teachers and administrators were. And while I still find that, I, I definitely think that SEL is critical for our students, what dawned on me is that nobody was paying attention to our teachers and staff. And so that's what uh, made me start thinking about what I could do to help uh, teachers and administrators and other educators uh, figure out how to function better in their, you know, in their whole lives, their work lives and their personal lives. You know, thinking about that, I, I can think back to the school districts and the school sites where I worked as both a teacher and an administrator. And I can't think of anything that any of those places did in terms of working with teachers to kind of help with their social, emotional um, well-being. Um, it, is that kind of universal? Are you aware of places where programs are in place to kind of help, help teachers with this sort of stress management kind of uh, environment? Not really that I have seen, you know, the different, I've been at a few different districts and different school sites and, you know, there are definitely individuals and, and, and definitely individual administrators who, who do, you know, some things in, in recognition. Like I have to really, um, I have to really give a shout out to Maureen Byrne at Dublin High. She was very uh, proactive in trying to help people, you know, feel like they were valued and, you know, saw us as people. Um, but, you know, again, administrators are in the same boat. They're, they're trying to balance their lives and their families and school and everything. So um, 
no, there's nothing formal that I'm aware of. And so that was kind of, you know, after I started doing a little digging, I realized that there weren't, there were, there are a few folks out there doing this work, but not, not enough for sure. Um, so that's why I decided that this was a good place to, to, to focus. I know you've done a couple things. Most recently, um, you did a really awesome workshop that was well received for um, the Gold Coast Q Roxnard teacher camp. Um, but is this something that's kind of part of your, uh, I don't know what the word is, repertoire? Do, 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 you, do you do this sort of work with teachers a lot? I've tried every chance I get. Um, so I've done I've done a number of different presentations um, with Silicon Valley Q, uh, with East Bay Q through the um, Marathon Steam Symposium. I've presented there. Um, so I'm just really trying to get the word out to um, to folks about how we can do this. Um, we had started in February. Uh, Gabe Krauss reached out to me and asked if I might help put together a, um, a sort of uh, conference symposium on teacher self-care. And within a number of weeks, we were on shelter in place, so we had to walk away from that. But I'm hoping that that's something that we will be able to do again, especially in light of COVID now. Um, so every chance I get to try to help um, support teachers I do, and so Monta Vista, look out! I'm I'm coming your way, and I'm I'm here to help. So, um, you shared in your presentation um, at Roxnard um, some pretty sobering statistics, in my opinion. Um, talk a little bit about. Um, you mentioned, for example, that a tremendous number of teachers are leaving the profession, um, and you equated the stress level that teachers typically have uh, with those of nurses? Yeah, so the statistics show that, um, and this is pre-COVID, I wanna, I wanna point out, that a half a million teachers leave the profession every year and 41% leave within five years. And based on what I'm seeing on Twitter these days, I really, it, it deeply concerns me because I think those numbers are gonna skyrocket so many folks are saying on Twitter that they are leaving the profession. They just can't do it right now for all kinds of reasons. Um, and then the, the research you're referring to, um, they said that they did a study and they found that the um, stress level of teachers was equal to that of an emergency room nurse. And again, we're talking about pre-COVID. So that's before masks, that's before PPE, that's before all of this. And before not knowing if you're going to school, working from home, having to deal with the strategies and the pedagogies involved in doing distance learning, which none of us were really prepared for. Um, and I use prepared for, we didn't know it was coming and we don't have any training or experience um, typically to kind of adapt to that sort of environment, which in my mind sort of explains why there were so many problems with the way that things are going in the spring. Hopefully it's a little better this fall, but I've got frankly some concerns about how that's going to go. Well, Mike, and what, you know, the other thing that you've got to consider is that while these teachers are trying to teach in a completely new way yeah. from home, they're also 
they also have their own kids who are in distance learning. So that's a yeah. whole layer. And yeah. now with these, uh, the, you know, depending on the model in the district, um, some, some teachers have been able to take their kids with them, but do they want to? Or, you know, are trying to balance childcare now of their own children along with trying to teach their students. So it's really, I, I can't even imagine what teachers are, are experiencing right now. I saw a statistic last spring um, that nurses, over 50% of nurses had young children at home. And it's hard for me to believe that that's any, I, I, I would hypothesize that the percentage would be even higher for teachers. Well, and, and I saw another statistic that said there's a high percentage of teachers who are married to uh, frontline workers. So safety, you know, police, fire. First responders. So first responders. And, so that's yeah. another added layer of, of stress, right? I mean, just layer on top of layer, it seems at this point. Right. Well, and it's literally life and death. Yeah. And that's, that's the risk that you're talking about taking and not just yourself, but uh, your family and anybody that you're around. So it's it's really serious. Yeah. And I look at my wife. My wife is a first grade teacher, um, a long time first grade teacher. And, you know, we've had conversations. She's feeling tremendous amounts of stress, um, not only trying to address this model of distance learning that her school district has put in place and, you know, get things ready for her kids. They start, I think, on Wednesday. Um, and so she's literally been at school preparing and getting stuff going, working ungodly hours. But the other thing she worries about um, and that I worry about, um, I'm retired. I'm over 65, so that puts me in that category. But I'm also the primary sort of uh, resource for my mom, who lives just a few blocks from me, and she's 86, and my stepdad's, um, you know, basically the same age. Um, and so, my wife uh, contracts COVID. I get it. I'm in contact with my mom. Um, that's a layer of stress that I feel really bad that you know, she kind of has to contend with. That's, and, and I don't think I'm unique. Uh, I think this is kind of a typical sort of chain of events. Teachers contracted by virtue of what they're doing as, you know, one of these kind of frontline essential workers. But it's got ramifications and fingers that extend into pockets of their own family and um, social circles that creates a, a, a huge kind of stressor and an area of concern. Well, and the conversation, one of the conversations are that kids can't get it, but kids can get it and they are. Uh, yeah, and we're seeing that, that the, the number of kids that are contracting it is going up, which shouldn't be a surprise because now kids are coming into contact with, you know, more and more people than they have for the last, you know, four to six months. Well, and they, it sounds like they, um, what I've understood is they shed more virus and they're more, they're, they're more virulent and, um, you know, kids don't understand social distancing. Um, any, any, any educator will tell you what it's like to be around kids, uh, through the winter every year 
yeah. uh, trying to stay well and stay healthy. Um, so there's just, that's just uh, another layer right there. Yeah, I heard my wife on a, she was on a Zoom call with her district leadership and they were all talking about the protocols. Um, this is when everybody thought kids would come back in some sort of blended model. Um, but they were talking about wanting all the kids to wear masks. And my wife, the first grade teacher said, um, my first graders pick their noses. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's literally true. I mean, trying to trying to get little kids to understand the importance of this is a Herculean task. I, I, I would venture to say it's about impossible. Totally agree. Totally agree. So, yeah. so we've got this environment. It's even worse uh, than in a, quote, normal school year. Um, what I'm curious about are, are two things. Um, and the first one is, under typical circumstances, what sort of things would you recommend teachers, um, well, or anybody in high stress, but let's let's just talk about teachers. What sort of things would you suggest are um, important for teachers to think about in terms of self-care and dealing with these stressful situations? And then let's let's talk a little more about how that can be done in an environment where people are just completely overwhelmed and it's like, I just can't think about one more thing. Well, I call my, a lot of my talks, put your oxygen mask on first and it's a little corny, but no. every time you get on an airplane, they say before you put your child's mask on or anybody around you, put your oxygen mask on first. Yeah. The reason is, I mean, it's, very clear because if you are not able to function, you surely will not be able to help anybody around you. So, you know, I tell people all the time, teachers are just my favorite people in the world. And they are also the most selfless and the most giving people. And a lot of times it's at their, you know, it's, it's at their own sacrifice. Um, but what I really want to, uh, what I really want teachers to take away from this is if they can't get to the place where, well, you know, that's just too beyond, this is too selfish, then think about the fact that you won't be able to serve your students if you do not take care of yourself. Um, and that's difficult to do when you are juggling so many things. Um, so what I, it was really funny uh, during one of my presentations, we got to talking about, you know, what folks could do. And I said, just take five minutes. And that seemed to really resonate with people. And I realized that for some of them, they never even take the time, take five minutes any day to take care of themselves, just five minutes. So moving forward, I always try to emphasize that it just takes five minutes. You do not have to do two hours of yoga and three hours of meditation to be well. You just need to make make that much time every day to focus on yourself. And um, with with that idea of, of just a really short period of time, like five minutes, is that truly enough for somebody to kind of center themselves and, and deal with all this stuff? Well, it's a start. 
it's a start. I mean, if sure. you can at least, you know, and that, and sometimes there's that ripple effect, right? It's just, if you take five minutes every day and just carve out that much time, because, you know, I mean, teachers don't even get a chance to go to the bathroom half the time, let's be honest. Um, you know, they're, they're running when they are in school, in face-to-face -face school, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. that, that's an issue. So, um, so even just prioritizing themselves, I think the psychological rest from that of saying, wow, like I actually did something for myself today. Um, but, you know, if you do some of the things that I do in my presentations and I really make it um, experiential, I force people to do it with me. <laughs> so we do things like five minutes of stretching or five minutes of breathing or five minutes of meditation. And that in and of itself can be enough. If you're having a crazy day, you can at least even a minute. Um, Dan Harris wrote a book called um, 10% happier and talked about his experience with meditation. He said, even one minute counts. Take one minute to breathe. And so if we teach people that it doesn't have to be this really extensive, you know, production to take care of yourself, when you're having that moment of crisis and you take a minute to breathe and you take a minute to calm your body and just reconnect, that can be the difference for somebody. Um, and from there, you, you mentioned stretching, you mentioned meditation, you mentioned breathing. Um, is, is there like a, a recommended sort of progression or is this a, uh, sort of a mixed bag, whatever kind of floats your boat? How do you, how do you recommend people start? You know, I, I, I definitely recommend that people just try everything try a little bit of this, try a little bit of that, and see what feels good to you, see what works for you. I mean, I don't think there's any one prescription. Um, not everything works for everybody. Some people will, you know, are better with things that are more body-based. Some people are, you know, better with other stuff. So it's really just trying things out and see what feels good to you. Um, I, You know, the things I talk about a lot are like sleep, having good quality sleep. Um, people, it, it's kind of surprising to me actually when I start talking about sleep hygiene, um, just getting good quality sleep can be the difference. So you don't even have to take any time for that. You just have to change your environment a little bit. Um, you know, having your room completely dark at night, either room darkening shades or um, a sleep mask, because the light in your room can interfere with the melatonin that you need to sleep well. And I don't know about you, but if I don't get enough sleep, I can't function the next day. Um, so that's a really simple way that people can make change. Yeah, I um, I used to kind of pride myself on being able to do without a lot of sleep. You know, if I got five hours, I'm like good to go. And then I read some research um, that uh, there's a guy, Dr. Kirk Parsley down in San Diego, who's a a physician and and he spends a lot of time working with people on health issues and invariably he finds that people with depression with um uh, a lot of uh, cardiovascular disease and that sort of thing obviously there are some some other things associated with it but he finds that if he can just get people to get a good night's sleep um a lot of that stuff will alleviate itself, especially issues related to stress, 
the the balance between cortisol, which is a stress hormone, um, is uh, uh, is amazing. And when I started paying attention to getting more sleep, I found I felt a, a lot better. Parsley says um, losing an hour of sleep for a week uh, is as detrimental to your performance as two six packs of beer, um, which I found amazing. Yeah, I mean, the impacts of lack of sleep are significant. You I mean, you're talking about faulty brain function, memory loss, um, hypertension, heart attack, stroke, all of those things can come from lack of sleep. Uh, Ball State University did a study and they found that 43% of educators slept an average of six or six hours or less a night. So you're in, you're in good company with the five hours. Yeah. Yeah. Impactful. Um, and, and then you think about, okay, what are teachers doing on a daily basis? And we get back to that environment where the number of critical decisions that they make per minute while they're working with their students is just off the charts. So having really good mental faculties, um, which like you said, stem from getting a lot of good quality sleep, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. And then I think about all the teachers who are on their computers now working into the night, getting all that blue light sort of uh, stuff, which stimulates certain hormone patterns and prevents you from going to sleep. Um, well, in that same study, they found 50% of the educators they surveyed um, have daytime sleepiness at least three times a week. And some of them missed work or made errors because of a lack of sleep. So that's, that's a significant issue. So when you work with teachers, um, you mentioned a darkened room and that kind of stuff. Um, other things that you talk with them about, about how to assure they get a good night's sleep? What, what, what sort of things would be on that list? Um, you know, things like um, watching your caffeine intake later in the day. Um, and, and I'm a Starbucks junkie. I love my peaks. And caffeine, even six hours before bed, can make you lose an hour of sleep. Um, wow. That's pretty critical. Um, you can do some things to, you can kind of incorporate um, both. You could do like a body scan meditation before sleep. Um, right now there's a lot of different great stuff and all free on YouTube and some of the apps where you can do a free meditation or a bedtime stories for adults. Um, if you're having trouble sleeping, you should get up out of bed and do something relaxing for a little while instead of, you know, sitting in bed, watching the clock. Um, that's uh, recommended by a sleep specialist I know said, you know, just get up, read or something quiet and go back to, and then go back to bed and try to only reserve your bed for sleep. Hmm. Interesting. A lot of times, especially w when I'm feeling stressed, I I'll fall asleep really easily, but then I wake up at like 3 a.m. and that's it. I'm done. Um, mm -hmm. I, I should try that. Yeah, so that's, I know for myself, I'm the same way. And my, you know, again, with all the things that teachers are, you, you wake up and you're like, did I remember to post the lesson? Did I, you know, did I do this grade? And so that's where some of these different tools and apps can really come in handy. Like I'll just pop on a, you know, a meditation or something. And it gives my brain kind of somewhere else to hang out for a while until I can relax and go back to sleep. Right. Yeah. So, 
Um, sleep is obviously a real critical component to this whole self-care thing. Um, in terms of the other things you talked about, the meditation, the stretching, um, you know, getting exercise, breathing exercises, um, whatever kind of clicks with an individual. Do you have recommendations about when you should do that? Should you do it in the morning? Should you do it in the evening? Um, what what sort of things should people think about in terms of how they fit those sorts of things into their routine? Well, again, not something that, um, you know, there's, there's not a really great prescription. It's kind of when you can do it uh, because you don't want to cause yourself more stress by trying to fit in your stress reduction. Oh, um, sure. A lot of folks, you know, a lot of folks will build that time into their day in like in the morning, right? If you just take that five minutes and get up five minutes earlier, you know, not 30, not an hour, just five minutes earlier to enable yourself the opportunity to take that time to really kind of set your intention for the day and, you know, start your day off with um, some focus on yourself and really getting a chance to connect. Um, some people find, you know, doing like a midday break is helpful and, you know, again, getting getting ready for sleep. So um, as part of your kind of nighttime winding down routine, adding it there, uh, it's really wherever it works up for you. Um, you know, a lot of the things we talk about, too, are forming the habit because that's where it's tricky, too. Like you'll get, you know, you'll do it for a couple of days, but then something comes up or, you know, your kid gets sick and then you kind of lose your momentum. So we talk a lot about pairing and pairing is when you take something that you already do and on a regular basis and just add the new habit to it. So, you know, like um, I know a lot of folks, I, I, I was one of them pre COVID would listen to um, something relaxing in the car on the way to work. Um, Cause you've already got to drive to work. So why not take that time? But maybe now um, that might be something you try doing at home. I right? like before lunch, I'm going to take five minutes and do some breathing or some stretches. Um, I, I, I wonder about, um, well, two things associated with that. So it's a, it's a, sort of a, like you said, you've got to develop the habit. So there's a, a mindfulness component to this. Um, but um, what sort of ways, and Andrew, I'm going to kind of um, get into your uh, extremely important and very busy administrator camp here in a second. But Doreen, what, what sort of ways would you recommend that teachers think on an individual basis about how to get that habit or that routine established? Well, again, you know, I would say is that the pairing is a really, um, it's a really effective way um, to incorporate some, you know, part of your life that you're already doing. Um, so finding a way to, you know, find something that you definitely do on a regular basis. Um, I've even heard people talk about giving your cat a treat at the same time every day and the cat will come and ask for a treat and you're like, oh, that's right. I still need to go do my yoga before, you know, before I start my day. Oh, um, interesting. So just different ways of helping you, um, helping you find a way that works for you. Um, a book I recommend a lot is uh, James Clear, Atomic Habits. 
and he talks he dives really deeply into the the science and research behind uh, forming a habit and when you um you know if you get one percent better every day at something you'll be 37 times better by the end of the year um, but if you get one percent worse every day every year you'll be into the negative number so really you don't ha it doesn't have to be a significant change uh, even one percent better every day is going to make a huge impact on how you how you deal with your life. That's an amazing. That's um, that whole save a little bit of money on a regular basis, and pretty soon you've got a big bank account kind of compound interest sort of analogy. Yes, absolutely. So um, it's the penny every day, right? So something gives you a penny every day, and it doubles every day. And wow, I could give you a million dollars right now, or I could give you a penny every day and it'll double every day. Which would you rather have? Oh, right. Yeah, I'll take the penny. Most people are going to take the million, right? But yeah. over time, that, that penny is going to become $10.7 million. <laughs> yeah. Andrew, the, while Doreen was talking about um, you know, this idea of creating a habit, um, I was reflecting back to the statement that, you know, you've got a turnover rate of teachers of, what was it, during 40% in mm -hmm. five years, um, which to me seems like kind of a major HR uh, conundrum. What would happen if you guys, as a leadership team in a school district, sort of took that message and this idea of stress management and self-care into the same kind of program and made that a PD thing along with uh, the latest uh, textbook adoption. Yeah, well, there's a lot to unpack there. First off, I'll clarify, it's not my district that has a 40% turnover, it's the <laughs> education industry in general. Um, uh, I, okay, but yeah. you're part of that industry. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna put um, you on the spot. Which is fine. Um, no, I think this is this is hugely important, and it's something that we've actually been, at least in my district, have been thinking about for several years now. Because as Dorian, I think, said, this this did not just start with COVID, right? Um, teaching has been a stressful profession, and then the environment's been getting more stressful over the last several years, uh, I think just as society in general has uh, to some extent. But looking for opportunities to not only build um, wellness and um, you know self-care into professional development as a as a regular thing but also looking for opportunities to provide resources and support to teachers I mean the, the biggest challenge um, pre-COVID was just time time in the day I mean there's you know time is always a challenge and having enough time to, to do everything that you want to do um, is hard so you really got to focus on what's important and what are the, the core foundational aspects um, we had we had been doing things like running um, uh, basically mental health support groups for staff um, after school and, and those kind of things. Um, and then with COVID, time and space and this those constraints kind of are, are upside down now. And so um, looking at how we can, you know, even starting at building our schedule for online distance learning, building in more time for teachers because realizing that this would be a pretty challenging uh, endeavor and teachers were going to need time to you know not only take care of themselves but um time to, to relearn an entire new way of doing things uh, which is really what we're faced with as a 
as an educational system um, and mental health and, and wellness and you know physical health all of those things have to be part of that um, I, you know especially now <laughs> because uh, it's it's something new every week and and the, the ground shifts underneath us kind of on a daily basis and so I think um, you know having time and, and having the resources available to help um, with just, you know, basic centering and, um, you know, mental health and taking care of yourself. Those are really key and critical right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I think it would be cool to get a group of districts or a group of schools together and kind of formulate a program. Doreen, you, you, you kind of mentioned uh, through our talk, um, you know, first, choose one thing, a five-minute thing, meditation, breathing, stretching, going for a walk, uh, I don't know, pick, pick from a list, and then create a habit um, that you do that for even five minutes every day. Um, you mentioned getting a good night's sleep. Are there more things that would be in the list? Let's say you went to um, my wife's school district or Andrew's school district or your school district uh, and you were tasked with putting together a self-care program. Um, how, how would that look? What, what sort of things would be part of that? Oh, good question, Mike. Um, yeah, I mean, I would have to talk with I would have to talk with the staff about what their challenges are because I think each situation is unique um, and find ways that they can integrate things into their day. Also um, around building community. Um, something, I think that's something that's really important uh, that we don't, how can I say this? I think that we don't expect teachers to ever talk about how hard it is. Um, and they don't always have the support that they need. Um, so one thing I wanted to make sure we talked about today is um, the struggle for change. So after uh, fall queue this last year, uh, a few folks who did queue boom um, got together and wanted to uh, do something to make a difference in education. So they started talking about what a struggle it is for educators right now. So that's uh, Valerie Sun, Emily Hendricks, Felicia Siminski, and Tracy Bondi all got together and started a podcast called uh, Strug for Change. And so we interview uh, educators and they talk about their challenges uh, with mental health, with uh, physical health, and have now launched a website as well. And so we're really trying to build some community where teachers can start feeling comfortable talking about what their challenges are in the classroom. You know, it's, it's not been uh, comfortable for teachers to talk about when they're having mental health issues or other kinds of things that, you know, we just don't talk about that. Yeah. And we need to, we need to start having these conversations. So um, building more community amongst teachers, I think would be the very first thing I would do uh, because we need to be able to lean on one another. We all are in the same boat together. And I don't want to, I want to really emphasize, um, I'm talking, when I say educators, I mean everybody on a school site. Right. I'm not leaving out educate, you know, um, administration or any of the other staffers because we all, you know, I'm not a teacher. 
Um, but we all deal with some of these same issues. What's the website? Uh, so if you just go to at Strug, S-T-R-U-G, the number four change on Twitter, all of the info is there. And if you're interested in coming to talk to us, we would love to share your story too. Um, we're really trying to find a place for folks to be able to share this. Cool. Um, that would be a great place for people to go to get more ideas and find like-minded people that are trying to address this and and make them themselves better. Uh, the, the reality is you can't be effective for those kids that you're trying to impact their lives if you don't have the wherewithal to take care of the stresses and the pressures that you're dealing with. So I think that's really, really cool. Um, so at Strug14 on Twitter? Num at, at Strug, the number four, change, C-H-A-N-G-E. Oh, I'm sorry. Strug for change. All right. Great. Super resource. And that'll have the podcast links and mm -hmm. yeah, everything, the, the website everything. and everything. That's all there. Okay. Cool. Cool. So, um, um, final thoughts, uh, where can people contact you if they, if they want to, uh, find out more about what you're doing? Um, easiest way is just to hit me up on Twitter. It's at Doreen Bondi, D-O-R-E-E-N-B-O-N-D-E. -E -E. um, and then I can share with you um, at that point, you can you just message me on Twitter. I have a whole wakelet that I put together when the COVID crisis hit of all kinds of different resources. There's some really great stuff out there. Um, I'll put a shout out there for 10% Happier and Headspace are both um, offering their services for free to educators. Just hop on their sites and you can um, say that you're an educator and they will give they will give you their services for free um you know i found this quote and i this made me think of uh of, of uh, all the educators out there today so if it's okay i'll share that with you please uh so this is an anonymous quote years ago i had a co-worker next door he came late often left early often never volunteered for extra activities and always managed to be stuck in aruba for an extra couple days after our winter break he took days off freely. He died suddenly one year. And it was then that I realized he had won the game of life by enjoying his time and filling his life with the activities he loved. When you die, there's no prize for perfect attendance. There's no reward for martyrdom. Give yourself a break and use some days. And so that's really, I think, what I'd like to leave teachers with is that, you you know, life's too short. you got to take care of yourself. You're not good for anybody if you're not good for you. Excellent. I totally agree. Well, listen, um, thank you so much for sharing this. Um, I think this is especially now a topic that needs a tremendous amount of focus. Um, all the folks in Andrew's chairs at, at, at districts would be awesome to see programs kind of spring up or those resources become apparent to all of the staff members so that they kind of know that there's a community they know that there are some resources and they've got some protocols or some ideas that they can follow um it's not going to get easier for sure and yeah we're all in this together and we've got to take care of each other yeah definitely all right well appreciate very much the talk today and uh i think that's going to wrap us up for this episode Mike, we're still, we're keeping our streak going. It's like every week we're doing it. 
I'm impressed. Um, I mean, I've always blamed you for the hiatus, so. Um, well, it was me. Good for you. So, yeah. <laughs> now, now I've just got to get these things out on time with post-production and everything. Anyway, um, so we will bring this to a close. Again, thank you, Doreen. I'll post the uh, contact info on the show notes. And another episode is done. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, Doreen. Thanks so much for having me. It was a real honor. Music, Welcome to the Show by Kevin McLeod.